0: At the center of this um, relatively small area geographically, but very, very hot situation politically and uh, from a public safety standpoint, is a woman whose life was cut short. She had a brilliant future ahead of her, um, and we will make every effort in our coverage of whatever happens there today to say her name. Brianna Taylor, Jason Johnson today. Um, no one charged in uh, her shooting.
1: Um, yeah, I'm not surprised, Nicole. I'm not surprised. And, and the, you know, every time this happens, and this has happened a lot, I always tell myself before I go on the air, I'm not going to get pissed. I'm not going to do any sort of performative tears. I'm not going to rage or anything else like that. And yet today, I, 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 can't, I can't help it. I'm so disgusted by this. I'm so disgusted by Daniel Cameron's performance. I am so sick and tired of black people going on the air and performing for violence and white supremacy and state-sponsored violence against black people and claiming their mamas and claiming they're because a black man they care about it. This woman got shot in her house when she was asleep. It's like Atiana Jefferson got shot playing video games with her nephew at 2 o'clock in the morning. It's like Botham Jean was eating ice cream, got shot on his couch. I'm telling people, I'm sitting here in, in, in my house right now. I have an IFB in my ear. I can't hear much. So if cops busted into my house right now and shot me on the air, what Daniel Cameron basically told America is that that would be legal. If they thought that there was something wrong, I could be shot in broad daylight on national television in my house because the cops can break in and shoot whoever they want if they're concerned. That is why people are upset. That is why protesters are mad at the media because they're tired of these discussions being teased out in ways that give justifications for nothing other than state-sponsored white supremacy and killing of black people. It is so infuriating and so maddening. And I I empathize with the people who are there in pain. And I empathize with the protesters who are gonna be home by nine o'clock. Nicole, that's the thing. The Black Lives Matter protesters, they're gonna take their signs and they're gonna go home. And then you're gonna have a whole bunch of interlopers and white nationalists and three percenters and terrorists battling out in the street like the no church in the wild video. And that's how the Black Lives Matter protesters are gonna get depicted.
0: Hey Soldiers, welcome to another episode of the Christian Soldier podcast. We are a social justice, faith-minded podcast featuring three friends from across the diaspora and we explore life at the intersection of race, ethnicity, gender, culture, politics and basically living while Black. If you're new here, my name is Justine. Some people know me as Tina, you can call me either one and today's episode will be a little different. Because I'm going to be flying solo. Before we jump into today's episode, I would like to let you know that our content will entail discussions of racism and racial violence. And these topics can be triggering for some of our listeners. I desire that you prioritize your mental health and your safety. So if today's content is triggering for you, it is totally okay to step away from the episode. Today's episode track is called This Is America, and the track is named after Childish Gambino's song, which has the same name. I really like the video of this song because the artist does a beautiful job of depicting the contradictions and juxtapositions and realities of being Black in America. There's a lot of scenes throughout the song that have little subtle messages but for me, the one scene that really stands out is where a Childish Gambino is happily dancing with the young school children. Meanwhile, the world around them is burning and plagued with violence. Like you can literally hear gunshots in the background. You can see cars blowing up. You can see fires exploding. But these children continue to dance and Childish continues to dance with them. You know, there are so many ways that we can make sense of this scene. But ultimately, there is no denying that America continues to ask black people to dance, to sing, to entertain. Meanwhile, they are dying and surrounded with violence. Yep, it's just me and you in our virtual living room. But no worries, because Andres and Abdul will be back in our future episodes. In response to the Breonna Taylor case. We decided to have an episode where we could make room for us to process what is going on in our country. Now, if you've been keeping up with the news at all, you probably already know that Brianna Taylor was a young black woman who was shot multiple times and ultimately murdered during a botched raid on her apartment. The shooting involved three white male police officers, and this happened on the 13th of March. This year, Brianna Taylor was only 26 years old. She was young. She was just at the beginning of her life. She had the rest of her life to live. And that life was quickly snapped away by three white police officers. And on the 23rd of September, the grand jury assigned to her case decided not to charge these police officers for her death. On the contrary, one of the police officers was charged with wanton endangerment for firing into a neighbor's apartment. It's also worth noting that on September 15th, the city of Louisville agreed to pay $12 million to Taylor's family for her wrongful death. In addition to the $12 million, the city of Louisville also agreed to institute police reforms in response to the wrongful death of Ms. Taylor. So there seems to be a couple of paradoxes going on here. So on the one hand, a family was paid $12 million, but on the flip side, they could not hold Brianna Taylor's matters accountable for her death. So they, they were okay with, with parting with $12 million, but they were not okay with giving justice for the wrongful death of a human being. Secondly... Only one police officer was charged and this police officer was not charged for the wrongful death of Taylor. He was charged for the wanton endangerment of Taylor's neighbor. Let that sink in. This is the reality that black people have to endure every day. This is the America that black people have to live in every day. You know, soldiers, I don't know about you, but when I heard the news last week, I was just numb. You know, I wasn't surprised. I also wasn't angry. I was just numb. And typically my response to racial injustice is anger, rage, disdain, disgust. But this time it was an unfamiliar mix of sadness and hopelessness, weariness, heartbreak. And to know that all of this happened in the wake of George Floyd, when the whole world was watching to see if America would take the necessary steps to begin to value black lives, America once again showed who she truly is. America once again showed that she does not value black lives. America once again showed that black lives have not mattered and they still do not matter in our country. And all of this is in addition to what Black people have endured this year, y'all. 2020, I think, has been hard for everyone. But if we, if we talk about 2020, we cannot ignore the reality that people of color have been more heavily impacted in 2020. So Black people have endured George Floyd, Ahmed Arbery, Jacob Blake, racial disparities in COVID-19. Racial disparities in the education system. Racial disparities in home ownership and employment. Um, Then in addition to that, to have only one police officer charged, not for the killing of Taylor, but for endangering her neighbor's apartment. Like seriously? Seriously, America? For real? Black people are tired. What else can we do? What more can we say? How much more can we cry and protest and beg white people to value our lives? How much more can we ask America to see the dignity in Black lives, to see the humanity in Black lives? What more can Black people do? In response to all of this, one of my Facebook friends posted something on Facebook that kind of really struck with me. And this is what she said. How many times can a heart break until it can no longer be mended? Specifically in this context, America has notoriously and consistently broken the hearts of black people. And unfortunately, it often feels like this might never end. This might never change. You know, someone once mentioned that to be black in America is similar to being stuck in a very bad marriage. You endure abuse, violence, manipulation, being ignored, being used, but you can't leave. You're stuck. For African-Americans, this is their home. This is their country. They cannot just leave this country. This is their land. They are Americans. This is their country. For those of us who are African immigrants like me, I'm from Kenya, you know, I could get tired of the racism and I could pack my bags and leave. Andres could pack his his bags, pack his family, and move back to Puerto Rico. But how about our African-American brothers and sisters? What option do they have? Where can they go? America, you have got to do better. African-Americans, black people deserve better. So last week after reading the news, I drove around town just to clear my head and process what was happening. And as I was driving, I thought about Brianna Taylor's parents, her siblings, her fiance, her family, her friends, her colleagues. And here I was feeling heartbreak and sadness and hopelessness and weariness. But I could not begin to imagine what her family was feeling, what her parents were feeling, what her siblings, her fiance. Her colleagues, the people she grew up with, I cannot begin to imagine what they are feeling right now in this moment. So after my drive, I drove back to my apartment. I parked my car. Then it hit me. It hit me that I could be Brianna Taylor. My sister who lives in a downtown St. Paul apartment could be Brianna Taylor. In all honesty, Any Black woman in this country could be Breonna Taylor. And you know, in some of the past episodes, I've expressed the weird relationship that I have with America. Of course I live here, I went to school here, and I have benefited tremendously from the opportunities that this country has given me, and I am forever grateful for these opportunities. But honestly, the thought of raising children in this country scares me. I don't know how I could come home to my daughter or my son and tell them that yet another police officer, another white police officer, has gotten away with murdering a black person. I don't know how I could send my daughter off to college knowing that she is not safe and that people might minimize her to the color of her skin when she is infinitely worth more than that. I don't know how I could have the talk with my son and tell him that getting pulled over by a white police officer could cost him his life. I honestly don't know how I could ethically and morally raise children in this country. And you know, I don't know, maybe someday down the line, these feelings will change and God will give me a different perspective. He will give me the grace to raise children in this country. Until then, These are things that I constantly wrestle with. And I know that I'm not the only one. I know that a lot of young adults, a lot of parents are constantly asking themselves, how can I ethically and morally raise children, regardless of your children's ethnicity? If you are racially conscious, this is probably a question that you are constantly wrestling with so i've been seeing a quote floating around and this is a quote by malcolm x and it says the most disrespected person in america is the black woman the most unprotected person in america is the black woman honestly soldiers quotes like these are hard for me to see they're hard for me to hear they're hard for me to read i try to walk past them i try to ignore them I try to act like they don't exist. And this is probably because I secretly know that this quote is true. The reality is that the intersection of race and gender places black women in a precarious position. I want to challenge you to look at your life. Look at the spaces you're in. Look at your areas of influence. Look at your family, your friends, the organizations that you are a part of, and ask yourself are Black women truly valued in those spaces? Are Black women highlighted in those spaces? Or are Black women an afterthought? Are they an extra, an ancillary component? And if your response to these questions is no, then you have some work to do. You have some work to do. Soldiers, we need you. Something that we value on our podcast is activism. You know, in 2020, talking about justice is the in thing to do. It's the cool thing to do. It's the woke thing to do. I don't like the word woke, but, you know. (laughs) And talking about justice is great. Talking about allyship and anti-racism. All of that is great. These are conversations that we need to have. But we also need to progress from theory to praxis. We need to move from just talking about justice and just talking about racism and just talking about racial awareness to actually doing the work of anti-racism. So I'm an engineer by training. I went to school for chemical engineering and mechanical engineering. And I honestly do not know how I did it because engineering was hard. Studying engineering was really hard. But anyway, one of the fundamentals of engineering is the formula for work. And in science, we calculate work by multiplying the force applied on an object by the distance that that object moves. So based on this formula, if you apply a humongous amount of force on an object, but the object does not move, you will have ultimately done zero work. You will have done absolutely nothing. And soldiers, justice is the same way. We can talk about justice. We can theorize about justice. We can acknowledge how great justice is. We can acknowledge how ethical and right and good justice is. But if we are not doing the work to move justice forward, if we are not actively engaging in processes that allow us to be anti-racist, then we are doing nothing. For those of you who are believers, you're probably familiar with the verse in Malachi, which says to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. There are some versions which say to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I just think it's so cool how Even the Bible tells us that justice is a verb. Justice is active. It's not passive. You act justly. You do justice. There has got to be action involved. There has got to be movement involved. And here's the thing, soldiers justice will cost you something. It will cost you your time. It will cost you your money. It might cost you some relationships. It might cost you popularity justice will cost you something but justice is the right thing to do so um i'm gonna begin to wrap up here but white people one thing that i want to encourage you especially now is that you need to check on your family and your friends of color you need to check on your colleagues of color if you are a member of a church, an organization, a religious organization, whatever the case is, check on the people of color in those spaces. If you have neighbors of color, do the same. If you are a white person raising children of color, ask them how they're doing, check on them. And don't just ask them in like a passive way. Ask them in a way that is invested, like how are you really doing and you can be even more specific how are you doing with the news of brianna taylor how are you coping how are you processing all of this you know mlk famously made this statement in the end we will remember not the words of our enemies but the silence of our friends If you are an ally, if you are working on becoming an anti-racist, you cannot be silent right now. We need your voice. We need your voice. And if you are looking for more tangible ways to be an ally, you should definitely listen to our allyship episode. This one was a very popular one, and in this episode, we we gave a lot of practical things that white people and just all people, like even people of color, we gave practical steps that we can all take in response to racial injustice. We gave practical things that we can all do to be better allies for people of color. Okay, soldiers, it's been fun. Thank you for always giving Abdul and and I room to share our perspectives and our lives with you. Thank you for joining us on this journey. If you are liking our content, please spread the word to your family and your friends share our podcast. Definitely leave us a review. Um, Anytime we get a positive review, it actually allows us to gain more notoriety in the podcast world. So we appreciate all the reviews that you have left. Um, and as always, there's always room for more soldiers, right? So share, share our podcast with your friends and your family. We want to have as many soldiers as possible. And if you'd like to contact us, if you have any questions, any suggestions, you can always send us an email at hello at christiansoldier.com. And soldiers, you can also find me on social. Um, I'm mostly only on Facebook, so you can find me under the name Tina Akini. My last name is spelled A for Africa, K for Kenya, I for India, N for Nigeria, Y for yellow, I for India. You can find me on Facebook. Definitely friend me on Facebook and send me a DM and we can connect that way. Until next time, peace, pause, Amani. The Christian Soldier Podcast is brought to you by the Christian Soldier Collective, a Jesus-centered community dedicated to the pursuit of unity, cultural and ethnic conciliation, and social justice within the church. The Christian Soldier Podcast is a production of the Christian Soldier Collective and Monarch Training and Development.